0: Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay and Brad. Wait, Wait, I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an Uh, act. All right. Hey, welcome to this week's episode on the Next Step Podcast, or also known as Twelve Steps of Change. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing good. You look a little, little like uh, frustrated. What's going on? How the wave's not good? It's flat.
1: It's flat. <laughs> we scored for two weeks, like always, it's like this weird cycle lately of the fall. It's like two weeks
0: of epicness, and then two to three weeks of flat. This is about the time last year when you built the uh, knife throwing. December, we had a lull for
1: three weeks, literally flat. Couldn't even longboard, right up, you know, a a big longboard. It it was nothing. It was flat. I was paddleboarding, trying to find something to do. And then finally... You
0: borrowed my paddleboards.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I borrowed your paddleboards one day by myself, just to cruise. (laughs) uh, And that was just not fulfilling. (laughs) Finally, I'm like, you know what? Forget the water. If it's not going to give me anything, then I'm just going to go do something on the land. Built a two full days dropped probably 300 bucks on lumber and, like, materials. <laughs> Every day you're sending progress pictures. Progress pictures I kind of making it better and better as I was building it. And I made a... Bought these knife thrower, you know, like, 12-inch blades. Anyways, professional When's knife the last throwing. time you've thrown those? I used it for those two weeks, and that was it. <laughs> so I don't think it actually got used at all in January. So in this <laughs> entire year, it hasn't been used once. It just sits on the side of the house. Oh, Getting well, waterlogged because I didn't... That, that is our
0: life. We, uh... We live by the swell. We live by we live in Southern California. For your first time listener, and some people live by snow reports, and it's getting ready to snow in uh, some parts of the country. And I know people are excited about the opening season this week, but uh, our season is year round on surfing. We live by the ocean, but the ocean uh, dictates. But well, we we're scored a couple going. weeks ago. That was really good. It was. It was uh, some barrels. You know what? We went. You and I went Saturday, and it was one foot, but we had a blast. Had a blast. Just the yeah. right board. You get the right board. Right mentality. Really. Right, me- right board. Right
1: mentality. Speaking of mentality, let's. Uh, you you pulled up another news. Uh, who do you got there?
0: Okay, so for news, uh, you know this gentleman named Ryan Sheckler?
1: Oh, yes. He was the John John of the skate world years ago when I was yep. growing up. And, yeah. Even like the little kid. He was a little co- prodigy. So Five years old, dropping in on Tony Hawk's 20-something foot half
0: pipe. I yep. mean, just doing crazy stuff. So as the normie, I've told you this before on previous podcasts, it was, in my mind, a question that has been since answered. But the question I think a lot of members as kids grow up in the church, you're like, am I missing out on something? Am I missing out on this party scene? And, you know, quote, everyone's doing it. It, it feels like you're the only one saying no and, and, and abstaining from, from activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always got motivation from things like this. So there was a, uh, in Surfer Magazine, there were a bunch of ads from Chart House, but you know, Chart House, you love that restaurant, I right? I love it. So they would post would every it. month a full page ad on, on not doing drugs. Really? And they would post a quote from a top surfer like Tom Curran. Yeah. Uh, Pat O'Connell was one on there. And so they would they, these guys that I'd look up to with surfing, I'm like, for for me, I'm that like, that's huge. rad that those guys aren't they're not Mormon. So it's not just Mormons that don't drink. There yeah. are people that choose not to. Um, and so this quote, I know Sheckler used to party quite a bit. Um, I have some pretty mutual well, friends. But he came up
1: with a lot of money. So, so listen,
0: young. listen to this. This is a... It's called Skaters in Cars from X Games. Kind of a play on... Jay Leno does something with cars, right? Like yeah, he has a com- car show. Like he's comedy and One of the biggest cars. car collector, yeah. So he rides around in the car and talking. I think Jerry Seinfeld does too. So this kind of like a rip off of that. But let's listen to what brother Ryan Sheckler has to say.
2: But you've also made some other big life changes that are allowing you to skate at the level you're at. Absolutely. What are those and what prompted them? I mean, number one, first and foremost, is like, Jesus Christ. That is number one. I gave my life 100% back into his arms. And like, secondly, is I stopped drinking. I'm an alcoholic, and uh, it just, uh, it created a problem for me, and I had to get help, professional help, last February, and um, that's where I just, I changed my whole life. Made a commitment to change my thinking, my actions, my habits, 100%. to do that daily. Tell me about that moment at the X Games in Oslo.
0: So well, he, he used some definitely 12 step probably language sure, in there, right?
1: sure. If professional help, he probably for sure did 12
0: steps. Yeah. He might have gone to a rehab to get sober like, yeah, or get a detox, detox or yeah. something. If you're drinking. But clearly, when he's talking about it. it's a daily thing. Yeah. I changed my habits, my thinking. Yep. My, he said
1: he gave it all to Christ. Obviously, that's a spiritual awakening. That's his higher happen. power. Yeah.
0: Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so kudos for him. What, what did you think when you were a teen, because you didn't grow up in the church, didn't grow up with standards like that, like drinking, not... Skateboarding, when, serv- you, when you, did, you even, did you even see, or were they on your radar where guys would... No. Okay.
1: In fact, like, I literally grew up thinking everyone did it. I didn't, I didn't even know we had Mormons. I didn't know there were kids that were cool or, like, were normal. I thought, like, the only people that don't party are people that aren't cool, like, completely aren't cool. Like, you know what I mean? There's <laughs> nothing to them. They just, I don't even know where they are. And so when I met, like when I joined the church, I was already out of high school, unfortunately. But I was friends in the home ward I joined in. Which, by the way, this is my uh, 12-year anniversary today. Joining the church, oh, boom. Today? Yeah. Holy cow! Boom. Why didn't we bring the nose? Oh yeah, that? that's, that's the news. There Twelve you go. 12 years today. 12 years today. I joined uh, 2005. I was 19, right out of, right out of high school. Or, yeah, 19. And I was friends with all these uh, seniors, and I couldn't believe they were so fun to hang out with. I probably wouldn't have hung out with them without joining the church at first. But then I realized, like, these are now all my friends. We don't drink, we don't smoke. It's good stuff. Twelve years. Twelve years. Congratulations. Think how many decisions had to happen to get
0: here. That's a lot. Now you're yeah. doing a podcast to the world, talking about Mormon stuff and sobriety <laughs> crazy? stuff. And people thought it was nuts when I, like, wait, Jay Merrifield? <laughs>
1: what? He's he's sober and now he's Mormon. You know what? That's that was the biggest thing that was going around. I was like, dude, he joined the cult. Like, no, Jay.
0: This is not the Jay I know. You know, stuff like that. Well, it's too often we hear in the church, like, "Oh, they're just dry Mormons. They look like the part, and we should, we should, you know, they're perfect for the gospel. They just need to get baptized." And I love it, and I think the church and the atonement is for everybody. So sometimes we take guys like you off our radar. Yeah. Unlike your the guy that met you in Home Depot, right? Totally. He probably he did not judge you and say, "Oh, this guy smells like cigarettes. Probably smells some booze on you," and he did not have any of that turn him away from introducing the gospel to
1: you. Totally. In fact, when I first got to my mission um, in the Philippines, that was like our first lesson I had from my uh, assistants, um, the, the APs on the mission, was like, don't judge a book by its cover. Like, sometimes, you know, sometimes these people are, the, you know, the guy holding the cigarette and the booze bottle when you first walk up to him may be the one that not only just joins, but he takes it all the way.
0: Well, our... our Weren't, weren't you, weren't weren't that, you yeah. in much need of the atonement greater than the guy or the gal <laughs> that is closer to towing, like, living all the commandments?
1: Yeah. like you know, I was at the worst point of my life when I joined the church. Like, and it wasn't like me, oh, I found this. Like, I had went through a part where I was trying to change my life when I was about 15 after a little camp rehab. From 15 to 18, I went to a bunch of churches finding it, and I read the scriptures, read the Bible— and I thought, you know what, all the churches I've been to—they're so far away from what it says here in this book. I'm just giving up on organized religion. And then I met this guy
0: that
2: taught
0: that's me. Awesome! I can't remember what episode—probably episode one. Yep. We talked about that. Yep. A little bit So more. go back if you're a new listener and, and listen yeah, to James so conversion. Sheckler, thats awesome. And what else show, you got? Show up to one of his uh, speaking engagements where uh, we talk right. about it. Yeah. By the way, we have a youth conference we're speaking at in a couple weeks. I know. That's fun news calendar, for us. Right? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm r- trusting you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the next thing is uh, at BYU. Uh, they do a weekly—I'm sorry—a monthly devotional. No weekly, sorry. This devotional was by M. Russell Ballard, and it addressed LGBTQ. You know what that stands for? Nope. Um, I'm not gonna try because I'll probably mess it up. Yeah. But um, I think that's uh, <laughs> the Q, and the T, or new. I don't know. Yeah, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, True. and questioning. So if you're in transition questioning? I don't know. Or you don't know. But it used to mean something else. I think it means questioning now. So apologize if we don't. But I'm going to read some quotes in there and ask you for your thoughts. And I was asked a question by a Hyperscoop leader friend of mine that I wanted to run by you. So Elder Ballard said, quote, I want anyone who is a member of the church who is gay or lesbian to know you have a place in the kingdom and recognize that sometimes it may be difficult for you to see where you fit in the Lord's church, but you do. He specifically mentioned, um, uh, he answered many questions about uh, preparing for marriage, pornography, forgiveness, uh, and how a member of the church can do missionary work even while you're in Provo. He addressed some question, a Q&A, and he, and he said again, quote, we condemn with the strongest terms bullying or harassment of any kind, Ballard said. Every person is a child of God. Everyone is entitled to love and respect. And they talked about how they supported. There was a concert we talked about in in Utah um, to help bring awareness and support to the LGBTQ uh, members of the church in in Utah. That you know they're it's a topic we talk about a lot, but we don't talk about a lot in the church. Mm-hmm. Um And I, the elephant in the room, I think, is... And we had the gay RM on the podcast. Yeah. And I loved asking him followed a lot him of questions. Followed him on Instagram. You Still followed him. And he's a... Uh, w- it was great that we should have him oh, back on because I yeah, got a lot he's of solid. questions. The questions I have is, you know, showing uh the, the divide within the LGBTQ community he's, is, nice. do you love and accept a person and or... Love and accept
1: the behavior. Yeah, because he said the uh, G.R.M. said that he's he's in the between, right? Like he he's he's not only he's not even he's not really he didn't feel accepted at first by the actual community, right? By the, Outside the, the church, In the yeah, gay community, the gay yeah. community. He's ostracized because he wants to live celibate. He doesn't. He like, wants
0: to live the gospel commandments. Where there was those within that movement that choice, said basically. the church.
1: Well, that's what it comes down to. He believes it's a choice. Well, the choice to act or not. The choice to act or not. Where yeah. they're saying like, no, you're. This is. Chromosome. You're born this way. I think there's uh, still a. Uh, really, I thought their community was like. I'm talking about no, I think that the community
0: he was saying was uh, in in conflict with. Was what well, they came back on? But what I understood it to be is the the faction that w- we want the church to change policy so that our behavior, our, our lifestyle, our lifestyle is accepted that I could continue in a, a sexual relationship with someone of the same gender, maybe even get married, and still be a worthy priesthood holder. And he said, I, I I have this attraction to the same sex, but I just like you have the attraction to the opposite sex, but together we have to live the law of chastity, which means sexual relations outside the bounds of marriage is forbidden. And whether that includes uh, uh, pornography, masturbation, things like that. So that that is the struggle he was in. So you want to go back and read that, but I, I think, I, I understand completely, but I think members of the church struggle to articulate that the law of chastity has not changed. But yet people who struggle living the law of chastity, we should still love and accept and say, come on. 100%. And my question, so the question that I got brought, was asked by a Hypers leader, was how to help this person okay. in the quorum that that has a testimony to the church. He's an older gentleman, and yet he has same-sex attraction. And, and he's an older gentleman, so he hasn't been a- actively engaging in that behavior for many years. But he does not feel comfortable coming to church because he doesn't feel worthy because he says, if I had the opportunity to act out, I would. And my answer to him was, This brother has a testimony of the church, and it sounds like he wants to change that about him. Mm -hmm. He needs to come to the 12 Steps meetings, ARP. It's called the 12 Steps of Change. And the hypotrope leader looked at me like confused, like, why he doesn't have an addiction. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't have this. Why would he want to go to there? What's your answer to that?
1: I think because some people may think the same thing about heterosexual sex outside of marriage, right? Sorry, my throat is like I'm getting sick or something, but... So God says you're only to have sexual relationships with, with your spouse that you're married in the temple or married legally with, right? Correct? Mm-hmm. Or you can't even join the church
0: if you live in this. If, if you're living, living, yeah, if you're fornicating yep. or cohabitating and fornicating, either one, you, you can't get baptized. You're not worthy.
1: Yeah, so for some reason, I think we sometimes still don't look maybe this member. They just haven't really, it's not on purpose. I just think they haven't really thought about that as an addiction, meaning a behavior that you're not in control of basically, Right. So it could be the same as what I'm getting at, is if we, if they're talking about a guy, same scenario, except for he's, he wants to be, what's the word? Um, sexually active. Sexually active, right, in the community, rather than just yeah. one person. But he chooses to live. He wants to keep the commandments, but he's like on the verge. It's no different than a guy who's sober. We call them dry drunks, who's sober, but yet don't go to meetings, don't really work on themselves, why they want to drink. So all day long, they're
0: sober, quote, unquote, but they're angry, they're bitter. Well, there, like, there. You mentioned you talk about being obsessed with it. Yeah, obsessed. That's not what non-stop yeah. thinking about participating in yeah. that uh, activity.
1: My 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 experience is is that when you come to the meetings and when you like, I shared in my talk at church the other day. Like the way we convert or the way we come uh, live the gospel more fully. Like I shared the scripture where it says, "You're you know, he can take away your stony heart and he can change it." And so I don't think that someone who's uh, who's who has same sex attraction or any of those other um whatever they're called the lgbtq um, they they're no different than an addict that that uh, is living contrary or like has desires to to do something contrary to god's commandments but if they surrender to heavenly father if they do choose to make that their higher power and they choose to surrender to the commandments and to the lord the spirit and all these things then guess what their life changes and their desires change so i've seen people go from desiring including me myself desiring opiates now to not wanting them at all in my life you know so why can't that be the same for this you uh, people desire to have same sex, sex with someone yeah. besides their wife yeah or yeah or yeah or exactly. Heterosexual sex to,
0: or, say, same doesn't matter or desire strong desire and attraction to pornography if some guy comes to me in the
1: meeting and says i need a sponsor because i've cheated on my wife and i've had multiple uh female partners it's no different than if a guy came up to me and said the same thing um but for male partners i'm like okay both are both are sins like both are not what we're told to do if you live in this church. You know, if you want to live by this commandments, this gospel, if you want to go outside of the church, we've had the conversation before. You can do whatever you I mean, that's your choice, right? It's free mm-hmm. agency. But yeah. inside the church, church is very clear. And I love how they're going up and speaking out, saying, like, don't leave, man. Like, come. we have totally. programs, we have opportunity. Like, we're not trying to change you. Like, the, you, you, if you surrender, you'll decide to do that on your own. Right? That's, right. that's how it works. So, same thing with drugs and alcohol.
0: It, that's that's why I love. Uh, I, I hope the it gets talked about more. Calling this twelve steps to change. In fact, our website's twelvestepsachange.com. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's twelve steps to change that mindset. Yep. And some, it's not looked
1: at as an ad, a, you know addiction. Like that guy in your ward was like
0: yeah oh yeah he's he doesn't have an addict. He just is attracted to the same sex. I'm like I realize that, but it's behavior that needs but, to change. But an de- addict is Desires. a word that we use for someone that's obsessing about uh, a behavior. That's contrary to the gospel. Some of them would kill you. Some don't. You know, you could be obsessed with eating. You can be obsessed with shopping. Obsessed with gambling. You could obsess with a lot of things. And these twelve steps to change. Once you surrender. In fact, our first step we're going to talk about your share will be on honesty. Is to is to honestly admit that this uh, uh, behavior is is contrary to the gospel and it's unmanageable. You can't manage it. Yep. And I think that's what the, this brother was described was. He can't manage it. He wants to, but he can't, and and he's surrendering to those desires and obsession as opposed to surrendering to the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm. Just like many people, when you knock onto them or they're less active in your ward, they're alcoholics. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I want to come to church, but I can't stop drinking. And so, you know, we we actually have a brother in our in our stake in our ward that. He comes, but I mean, he's barely functioning. This mm-hmm. is that's the extreme case, and mm-hmm. it can be the same with sexual desires. But, but guess
0: what? He's totally welcome. He's still welcome, and he comes. And he so comes. He,
1: he found out he's welcome, mm-hmm. and then look at he comes every week. Yeah, he didn't. feel... He felt self ashamed. He comes every week.
0: He felt so He's like, I feel ashamed, but I realize I'm accepted. I'm better
1: here than if I'm at home, at yeah. least for three hours in a day. And his whole week, three hours of the whole week, he's he's not drinking. It's a good example.
0: No and and the good thing, you know, it's not like he's up saying, hey. I'm a proud alcoholic and no, I drink and accept accept my behavior. He's like, You accept me as a person and I want to change. I don't have the willpower right now, and I hope to gain that willpower. Goes to
1: almost every class, comes up after my talk, shakes my hand, quotes the talk word for word. So he's there, he's listening. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing as as this, or you know, someone who once again is their their action or addiction is heterosexual, multiple partner sex, you know, like you know what I mean? So yeah, it's the
0: same thing in my eyes. Okay. Well, I I agree, and I think we talked other to a lot people of people. Said the same because yeah, because you know I ask lots of questions, so I've asked a lot of good, I've like, asked tons I've asked a lot of people with same sex attraction. Is this right? Well, like that's why you... I love
1: that podcast the most with um, with the Gay R M. We're calling that because that's like his Instagram account. Yeah. He writes a blog. Like mm-hmm. we're not just we know his name, but the point <laughs> is is that's what he goes by. But um, uh, that was so informational. It was help- very like, leg- helpful. Legitimately, I remember sitting here asking all those questions. And him just being like super open book, just like I was when you asked
0: about drugs. Because it's confusing to me when I hear the, I believe like, hey, accept and love this community. Okay. But does that mean I do need to embrace the behavior and the lifestyle and, and like, I love everything about it? No. It's, the, it's what Jesus said was love, I think Jesus said it, love the sinner but hate the sin. Is that Jesus or is that a man-made thing? I don't know. We're not scriptorians. Yeah. All right, on to the next thing. We haven't lost you on that topic. <laughs> we'll get you on to the next, which is Light the World. And we're going to talk a lot about this on the Ask the Attic segment. So Light the World starts on what date? The 1st, right? Of December, and it starts off with a worldwide day of service. You're holding a calendar. Where'd you get that? Light calendar. LDS.org slash Light the World. You can also search any hashtag Light the world. Boom. On Instagram, Facebook. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter any uh, YouTube. Snapchat. Anything? I don't Probably know about Snapchat. on Snapchat. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, it's all over. I only Snapchat with my wife and my daughter. To do the, in college. To do the filters. Oh my young daughter oh, yeah. does that. Right. I just like my send four-year-old random stuff. Yeah. So here's what the uh, They kinda of lay it out, right? Each day
1: something new. Every day is something new.
0: So let me just first read the uh, kind of the the gist of it. During Christmas, we are reminded that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. This year, share that light by resolving to do things Jesus Christ did. Every day leading up to Christmas, focus on a different Christ-like behavior. For specific suggestions on His Ways immediately go to mormon.org. Sweet. So actually, I think it's more on mormon.org.lds.org, okay. but I'm sure there's a link. But on mormon.org, it's front and center um, for Light the World. So Jesus did a lot of awesome things, and I think, I mean... Christmas got so commercial. You talk about when you were a kid. Really, literally you, did not know it was related. <laughs> even though in movies
1: they had like things to do with Christ. I was just like, uh, you didn't
0: connect the two. Didn't connect it. And how many people, we're more secular now.
1: Yeah, that was 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, so we're way more sicker now where there are a lot, the, the whole new generation. Easter was all about the bunny. Like, I literally didn't even
1: know a correlation at all because we never went to church. So, and they don't talk about that. Like, commercial world of Easter is solid
0: commercial. Totally. Yeah. It's I had totally no idea. I thought it was just
1: a made-up holiday for, for Easter. Like, I didn't even know. It didn't even make sense.
0: Right. Yeah. So this is a good uh, way for ourselves to get out of ourselves. We talk about uh, We talk about it later in time. the podcast, too, about so some of the stuff I did last year. Totally. so it's good. And you did? You went down you, to Mexico? You, I had not talk about that yet, but, oh, yeah. um, okay. but you did on December 14th. Jesus taught us to clothe the naked so you can. And you and Xander shared. about Xander put
1: together, like, a, yeah, he put, he'll talk about it later, but um, he put together this huge thing where he got a bunch of non-members to, like, donate, like, homeless kits. They're called, like, I don't know what they're called, but basically have, like, uh, toiletries and little kits like that, as well as we had literally... Five giant garbage bags, like the constructions, black trash bags full of clothes, jackets, in dead of winter, homeless population in Santa Ana is huge right now, right off the 55 freeway by Angel Stadium, baseball stadium. Um, people are living on, literally on the side of a river. Um, and uh, anyways, he put together this thing. I went with him. I put together some stuff too, but I really just went with them to help deliver and be a part of it.
0: But dropping it off was a spiritual
1: and amazing experience that
0: we talk about later. One other neat fact about this that I learned was that the church creates all the digital content for this, Mm -hmm. but they're giving it to anybody. So um, other churches use this, and they just delete the part. The church will go ahead and delete the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints logo. um, Keep the 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 hashtag, light the world, and just use this in your congregation. Wow. And a lot of other congregations are using it, um, and community groups, because it's just... It's about the service that Christ did. the Example that He us all together
1: said, together instead of separates us." Yeah, our countries are separated. I hate the denominational you know, this, yeah. fights
0: that get into things. Yeah. So This is a simple, like, "Hey, let's bring us together." And we have one common thing: it's Christ, the service. Let's do it. I like it. A- amen. Yeah. So, so you're going to hear a lot about during our Ask the Attic. We actually have on uh, two group, two other group leaders, two other facilitators. That are in their own
1: ARP
3: meetings. In their so own other pair,
0: ARP meetings. So we have three ARP meetings represented, and, and I hope the audio sounds as good to you because we're uh, all six a people. Yeah. So. Six people, a couple mics. And, and But we do talk about service and the amount of the service that ARP allows us to do, the service related to Step 12, mm-hmm. and service related to Light, light the, the world. world. So it's a really good roundtable. I think everyone's going to enjoy it, so stay tuned for that. But first, we're going to listen to your share on Step 1 which is kind of bring it all back together about getting honest. Boom. Because if we're not honest with ourselves... You're not going to do the 12th step, which is service. Bingo. Yeah, not fully at least. Okay, well, until next time, enjoy this share for Jay, then listen to a short intro, and then ask the addict with a bunch of people. A bunch of people. Don't Kay. go anywhere. Happy, like Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry
1: Christmas. i Jay, I'm an addict. Hi, Jay. Grateful to be here. Um, Step One, just went over this actually with a friend that i've had for about a year now, and uh, we're talking about some of his actions and um, things that that he may think at this moment it's it's just crazy when I read the, every time I read this step or any step i'm like it applies to so many things in my life, let alone my life, other people's lives and um, the words are right there um, in front of us and there's one part in the fourth paragraph where it says uh at this point, we took the first step towards freedom and recovery by finding the courage to admit that we were not just dealing with a problem or a bad habit. I mean, if you're anything like me, my justification towards my drug use and a lot of other behavior was all oh, like, it's just, a, it's just a habit I just got to kick, right? And there's tons of help, self-help books out there that tell us how to you know, kick bad habits and how to create new ones. And you know, if I just stop doing it for 30 days, then I'll create some new habit. you know? And, and, and if I just do that, right, I just was listening to a podcast today. A side note, and they were talking about, yeah, it just takes 30 days, you know, 30 days. Like, you just got to sustain for 30 days and then create some new habit, and then you're you're good to go. That's what the world teaches, right? And that may be true with a lot of things, right? But when you try to overcome an opiate addiction, you know, good luck. Like, you know, like, if if you think you're just going to not use for 30 days, go surfing for 30 days or go to the gym, and you're just going to be in the clear, like, that's just not going to happen. It's just not how it works. I've tried that. Many other people who are not living anymore have tried that. It doesn't work. Um, same thing with sex addiction, porn addiction, gambling, any of this stuff. Like, you know, and I, I've had times in my life where I sustained for a long period of time where I was able to just say no or create some new habit in my life. Or even with the gospel, that's, a, that's, a, that's what's a trip, is you can even get really focused into the gospel, right? And, and I'm just going to go serve and I'm going to be the best father and all these things. Those are all great elements. But if you don't dig down into the root of why you're using this, what I'm telling my friend today, by the way. And that made sense but I was you know if he, if he doesn't get to the root of why he you know is going against God because he's a member of the church you know and going against the things he's been taught since his youth then he'll always find himself back there and if it's not with this current addiction in his life or this current decision or sin whatever you want to call it um, that's that's, uh, that's a stumbling block in his progression he'll just find another one that's how I was I just went from another one until I found opiates and like uh, opiates you know almost killed me and They'll kill me again if I if I were to start using again. And he's like, "Well, I've never met someone that has much self control as you." Blah blah. I'm like, "You know me now. Like that's four years into my recovery. Like four years ago, like I couldn't like, I couldn't focus on anything. You know what I mean? Like I was just the minute my the minute I had a desire, like in my mind to do something, I was going to do it. There was no frontal lobe coming in and saying, whoa, 'Whoa, let's take a break here and let's see if we should do this or not. What are the consequences?' And I. Uh, and so I was trying to explain that to him. He's like, well, yeah, but I don't even have the desire. And it's like it says right here, even if you have a small desire, like that's enough. Right? There's like, so when I was reading this, when we were reading this as a group, I'm just thinking of my conversation I just had with him today, three different times throughout the day. And, you know, he admitted to finally go to a meeting and maybe that's what he needs. And he started talking to his wife. And, of course, his wife, you know, who maybe not knows the fullness of his life right now and his situation, you know, some of the things he's been doing. is like, well, why would you need to do that? You don't need to go and be with those people, right? Because the stigma is, right? And these rooms is full of people that are just like right from the gutter, right? I mean, that's what I thought. I was like, no way. Like Four years ago, when Lexi left me. We were married and pregnant with our second kid. And my friend's like, hey, you want to come to a meeting? I'm like, whoa, I'm not like you, right? And this is my wife had just left me and wanted a divorce for the same exact drug use that my friend was who was taking me to a meeting, that invited me to take, and I was still judging him. You know what I mean? And then I come to these meetings and I realize like, wow, this is like, I finally feel like I'm not crazy. Like, I feel like there's people out there that are just like me that have a million great traits and have a few things that have been stumbling blocks throughout their life. You know, it's like this big. Like, I really feel that way about all of us and, and the you know, thousands of people I've met so far. In mean, addiction, it's like our little things are like this big and like our talents are this big. But, like, there's these few little things that whether they're, like, an incident, whether it's one incident, it's that, it's that way with some people. Sometimes it's just one thing that's happened in their life that they just can't let go or, like, they haven't seen yet. It hasn't been revealed to them. And some of it's a bunch of little things. And But this program, Honesty, is what I'm getting at. Like, getting to that point, I was telling him, if you just do this first step and if you go to a meeting – You may get to a point where you may tell your wife everything, you may want to go to the bishop, you may want to like, you may want to live a life different than the way you're living it now. You may not want that now, but if you start the process, it will lead to that. When I first went to that meeting, I was not planning on getting sober. I was not planning on ever telling the truth, right, because like, who's going to like really love me if I told the truth, right, if everyone knew exactly what I had been doing or knew my mind and how crazy it can be one minute i want to do really good things the next minute i don't like you know that was scary to come here and be honest and share that with people that you don't know let alone people you love like your wife your bishop like but that process took place and i just had to walk into this room and you know, it didn't happen my first meeting i sure as heck didn't sit down and say hey i'm an addict i'm ready to just surrender no but i kept coming back like i've shared a hundred times like i just kept going back weekly and i started to realize that um that I belonged, if that makes sense. Like I'd earned my seat. They, they say that, they, like I earned being in those rooms and um, it was a good thing. And now obviously you guys know it's like, I have zero pride when it comes to like sharing. Like I I have no anonymity, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's like, I love sharing this with other people because it's changed my life. It changed who I was, who I am today. And hopefully in four more years, it'll change me even better, you know, or for the whatever. I just want to keep changing. I want to keep growing. and. This program, whatever brought you here, whether it's an invite from a family member, friend, a loved one, or you just felt prompted to come, or your bishop, we all, I think everyone in here already knows that, you know, we've earned our seat here and there's a lot of good that can be in these rooms and um, there's so many more people that need to be here. But if we don't, one thing I have learned before I pass it on is if, if you don't do these steps for yourself, you'll never be able to fully, it says in here, you know, you, you'll never be able to serve someone else like fully. Like if you still have those little things that you're holding on to, I've tried to help other people. Like when I first started, and I didn't do the, some of the steps. I only did a few of the first ones, and then I would try to sponsor someone. You, you can't. Like I mean, you can start the process, but what happens when they get to where you're at? How can you give them any more guidance? You're, you're, you know what I'm saying? And so it's so important that we do these steps all the way through. Um, God has so much to reveal to us, and um, I'm just grateful this program still works in my life today. And even though, like I, I wasn't. I don't, like, have that same desire to use drugs anymore. Like, there's still other things, and, you know, for the first time, I admit, I went to the bishop, and, like, I haven't met with a bishop in probably seven years, you know, and I went through this whole recovery process with just a sponsor, and that was my choice to do it that way, and, but, like I said, this program still continues to work in my life, you know, and I felt prompted after last Tuesday night's meeting to just, to, to do it all, you know, and what a great experience that was. It wasn't great when I was in the moment, but... Um, I guarantee I wouldn't have been having that conversation with my friend, co coworker, coworker, today, giving him the advice I did by the Spirit if I didn't just do that last week, you know. So um, we're all in this together. It doesn't matter where you're at. So I'm grateful that you guys are here, and I know this program will save your life, and it'll, save, it'll help you save other people's lives. And it's pretty amazing to watch people come in hopeless like I was and uh, like many of you guys were when you come in and watch it all change and be full of hope and happiness. That's what it's all about. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. We
0: have addicts and eight. facilitators and leaders, all sorts of Mike, I guess they've cost this mic here. tonight. Okay. Jay. I'm here. Jay, we have a, this is the first time we've got a big room of people, and our studio is full. It is full. Full and, of the spirit. Full of the spirit, and, <laughs> and we're, we're talking about service, and specifically about Light the World, the campaign of the church through Black Friday through Christmas Eve is Light the World, Amazing campaign, and and it's a it's a time for us. I look at it as a time for us to get out of our comfort zone, and do we should serve all the time, really. But I think around the Christmas time, it's a it's a welcome time to have an excuse maybe to get out of our comfort zone and serve other people. For sure, last year was for me. And I think it's a time when people that aren't necessarily religious maybe open their minds up to a little more religion, Mm -hmm. and so it's a it's a great opportunity. So we have a few people here. Let's just go around the room, starting with you in the corner. What is your name? My name's Darren. Darren. I'm an addict. You? okay.
4: I'm Greg. I'm an addict. I'm also the group leader for uh, ARP group in Irvine, California.
0: Yeah, so we brought together a a group, some group leaders and facilitators. So we're representing three different meetings here tonight, and uh, we'd like to get their perspective of different meetings and different areas of the vineyard of ARP. So, uh, Darren, so, you're.
3: A... I'm the facilitator of the Mission Viejo stake.
0: Okay, Greg Irvine, group leader, next to you in the camo hat. I can barely see him because it's camo.
5: My name's Xander, and I'm an addict. I'm also the facilitator of the Irvine, California ARP meeting.
0: And Jay and Brad here, and over here in the corner, I'm Matt. I'm the group leader in Mission Viejo. Okay, so have all of you heard of Light the World?
4: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're all nodding their head or saying yes. Jay, while you're looking at pictures of your my stash? To, I'm <laughs> trying to find from last year and I just got <laughs> caught up on how good it is, my stash looks. I'm finding pictures of posts about. Uh, Jay like looking at pictures of himself? Right. Just, huh? Here we go. <laughs>
1: you found how good your stash looked? Yeah, it was amazing. I, I saw so I, Never mind. We <laughs> don't even want to go there.
0: But I had an amazing stash. We talked about him. Now. I look over on Jay's phone and he's staring at a picture of himself with a mustache, which was a sweet mustache. <laughs> it was sweet. It had the, like, I had the wax curl
1: up. I remember right? it. I remember that. Dude, that thing was sick. You had that look in your eye. You were, like, in a far-off place just now. I was just remembering <laughs> the glory of that stash. No. But the, I was looking for a post, which I just found, from Light the World last year. Okay. What? Talk um, about it. Yeah. Well, the first one was, uh, okay, so first off, I got to say, when I read this last year, I was kind of in a personal funk. Um, as most of you guys know who listen to this podcast, I've got a few years of recovery now, I'm going to be five in December, and that's all great, Manny, but sometimes life still shows up, and it's challenging to deal with um, things like work, family relations, or just your personal life or attitude, and I was in a funk for about quite quite a bit, probably about eight months, and I had just, back in um, of last year in um, October, decided to to kind of Work to work the steps not just for like drugs, but work it for overcoming some of the thought process I was having towards some things I felt like some cards that were dealt wrong in my life. And so, um, financially, it was a little bit of a tougher time as well. Um, and um, I remember reading this that it said, you know, first thing I saw was light the world in 25 ways over 25 days. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, Normally, when I re- read stuff like that, I'm not going to lie, from the church, I was just like, oh, this is just another way to, like, show off and blah, blah, blah. But I was in such a place where I was humbled in my circumstances, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this. I've been praying every day to, to have the spirit back in my life, and I'm like, you know what? Life is tough, and um, maybe I'm gonna, maybe what I need to do is get out and serve, not just in recovery, but, like, I need to just serve little ways every day. You know, for me, the first thing I posted was I clean the house for my wife? You know she's awesome. She's got three little kids. She's home, just like all of our wives, and does a lot. And I take I was taking that for granted. So I remember the first thing I did was that. The second thing, um, I mean, I just brought someone, uh, a friend, to his work, some food, and then, um, and then just started seeing ways uh, to help out. Like I mean, I shared about this I think on the podcast last year, but I remember um, looking at my you know your bank account on your phone and going man how am I gonna do it you know like it's getting tight like it hadn't been that tight in years and uh you know I had some I was just struggling and then I go and I pull in to um to get gro- some groceries for us you know and money's tight at this point and I pulled into Whole Foods which is you know not a cheap place to get your food but I was eating clean and so that's where I needed to be and sure enough there's this uh I believe he's um, he, he's from our, He's from another country, somewhere, either in Russia, I think it was, and I saw him, I have a picture of him on my Instagram account, Bison. I think you said he was a refugee last year. Refugee, that's right, he's a refugee, and he had two boys. He had one that was like 11, 12 years old, and the other one that was pretty close. It reminded me a lot of my son, who's six, and he was a little bit older, but he had the same countenance. and he's sitting there. they're sitting there on the street corner where uh, in front of this, you know, you know, high-end grocery store with a lot of high-end cars parked in the lot, with a lot of people just walking by, and no one was looking at them. They literally had been walked past. I mean, people weren't even... They weren't in people's faces. They were just sitting there with a sign. And uh, I was like, the Lord just, I pulled right over, and I just knew what I had to do. And um, I was like, man, I got 20 bucks cash, which is rare. And I'm like, I could just hand that to him. But, man, he's got two kids. That's not going to go anywhere. I'm thinking, I got three kids. Like, 20 bucks is nothing. And so um, I... He could barely speak english i had no idea what language he was speaking at the time but and i just said listen come with me and he's like what do you mean i'm like grab a cart let's go and um just filled up his i mean the whole time was just the most humbling experience i couldn't i had to keep my tears back i tried to make him feel as comfortable as possible but really i was just overwhelmed with uh the feeling of humility and then um just showing that like how far you know where my life's really at and what i need to focus on and i'll never forget the spirit i felt and then of course, the next one was with Xander put together. Um, so I posted that, and then Xander hit me up like a few weeks later, maybe, or a couple days later. A couple and, days, yeah. Yeah, totally. What do we do? Yeah, so
5: just, uh, first off, I didn't really understand like what the Light the World campaign was. I just felt like, you know, it was the church's camp- campaign to like do something good for 25 days or whatever it was in, in December. And uh, I was driving to work one morning. I work up in Anaheim, and there's this huge homeless population that lives right there on the 57 on the freeway. And I just come from my apartment with my newborn son and my, you know, my beautiful wife. And our apartment was heated all night. And I remember just feeling just kind of like, I don't know what the term is, but I just felt like I had it really good, and that um, for this light the world thing, maybe I should start like a homeless drive putting together homeless kids and so i i put it out there on social media didn't think i'd get much reaction but next thing i know like the the, the it's blowing it up. Blew up it literally blew up and um we i had kids uh, who had nothing nothing to do with the church or anything that i hadn't seen in literally like 20 years since right, right? you know even some since like elementary who I mean, we were friends on facebook You know, they came and and brought me down a bunch of these. We just made what's called, they call them angel kits, just homeless kits with, you know, some generic, you know.
1: Bath products. Bath products, products. toiletries,
5: food, et cetera. And we went down there literally with a truckload. Um, Darren brought some stuff over. I mean, we had a lot of people bring stuff. And Jay and I went down there. And and my first thought was like, oh, I don't want to go by myself. I don't want anything to happen to me. You know, I'm like a big guy. I can... You know I shouldn't be scared like that, but then uh, I'm so just your yeah, something like that. My That's ego, my ego builder, and uh, we're down there and we're bringing stuff over, and then all of a sudden, just a bunch of these people come, and I'm like, oh snap! Like they're just going to start grabbing stuff, and it's going to be mayhem. It was a oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. We really yeah. thought
1: people were just going to rip. <laughs> like like
5: to rip the tailgate off the truck like I mean like we like I was just expecting. These people are living on the side of yeah, the like You guys
1: have never been there like they're living. They're literally living on the side of the Orange County River.
5: Yeah. Bed. Yeah yeah yeah. Out in the freezing Santa Ana winds, rain, etc. etc. Cetera, et cetera. My mom always makes fun of me for saying etc. et etc. Et <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Or so we pull up. So we pull up. We get there and and peop, they all, all all these homeless people come out and they start helping us carry the bags over to. A, kind of centralized location and people literally just started taking like what they needed and they left everything else so that other people could come and that was such a humbling experience for me because here these people are like they don't have anything and there's some of these bags had you know candy and other things and clothing. clothing pillows slippers blankets brand new stuff and and I'm thinking, if I'm homeless and I come up on this, I'm taking everything I can get my hands on, and I'm going to go put it over. Put yeah, sell the rest. You know, trade it for drugs, whatever. Yeah. And these people just took what they need and they left it so that other people could come. And it was a really humbling and cool experience. It, it, to be honest, you know, it really made my my Christmas last year. So, so Jay
0: and Xander, uh, if you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to. There's a couple podcasts you've been on, Xander, to hear uh, kind of his background story. But can you imagine, if you go back five, six six years years ago, ago, that that would have been uh, a day for you to go out and collect collect stuff or buy someone groceries? Would you have ever done that?
5: Well... I could have saw myself hanging out down by the Santa Ana Riverbed. So you, 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 so you could associate better of, well, <laughs> it was, it of was living to pick in the riverbed, or or <laughs> because I didn't have a place to stay, but definitely not to take people's stuff. Yeah. And,
0: and if you're new to listening, you're laughing. Go back and listen to Xander's previous podcast. So that's a very it's a reality.
5: Absolutely reality. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm laughing about it now and joking about it, but that's just because I'm not living that life anymore, and so I can I can laugh about how crazy and ridiculous like my past experiences are yeah. one thing too brad like i mean
1: the majority of the people that were there in in that um that when we were giving stuff away first of all you want to contest what he said people literally weren't they were like we were telling them to take more and they wouldn't do it so that was amazing because like me and sanders brain first thing we thought of was the same thing take it all right to the is, fr- is
0: that because you saw that's what Back in your addiction, that would have been you? That's just... That's how... I don't know. I
5: think that's just human nature, too. I think sometimes we're trying to look out for ourselves. And you think when you get to, like, that very primal instinct, when you literally have nothing and you're sleeping on a riverbed, that, like, that's going to kick in even more. And they didn't. And it was literally the opposite. Like, I think... People, if we would have dropped this stuff off in a gated community in Orange County, it would have been gone, it would have been gone quicker than have it was disaster. They like were going people, and waking each
1: other up. Yeah, be like, hey, hey they there's up. stuff
5: here. Hey, and there, Here's was, a drop-off. It was like like literally come, mind-blowing. Like and, they were
1: some, and one thing I was going to say is that when we started, because we hung out and started talking to them, because some of them were really cool, and like... Um, some of them were completely normal and then um as far as like when i say normal like they just literally fell on some bad luck and then but the majority for sure was drugs like for absolutely 100 and they all openly talked about it we then talked about our recovery we talked about how of course we know ex- we didn't know what it's like to live there but like we know what it's like to be an addict we asked them about meetings and a lot of them are, are going to local meetings and so I think it was, it hit home, obviously, for us, too, because it was like, dude, we could have, our addiction
0: should have, t- it could have kept going.
1: And there. still could. It if still can today, yeah. We, yeah,
5: for sure.
0: So. Absolutely. All right, that's good. I wanted to bring that around to the fact that you, both of you mentioned many times that in the thralls of your addiction, you never could have seen yourself being of service to other people. For sure not. Because you were servicing your There's own no addiction. You're feeding your addiction. You're a you're slave, slave to your addiction.
1: You're not a slave to anything but your addiction.
0: All right, so let's talk, let's bring it back around to how the 12 steps, and let's go specifically about the ARP program, has helped you serve better. So I'm going to pass it over to Matt. Matt is a group leader. Gra- Matt is what they call a normie. Is that, is that Brad? What I am? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Brad's a normie. A normie. Yeah. They called me a normie. I'm an
6: east side, uh, east side, normie. Yeah, east side oh, normie. Cueba. Cueba. This is episode, episode
0: one, <laughs> if you need <laughs> to know what that means. He made fun of me on episode one. Yeah. You guys are all Quebas here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> OG Laguna Niguel people know what I'm talking about. The two, the, 90, two the, the two people on the east side
6: of the track, so I didn't So know. what brought you to ARP, Matt? Funny you would say that, Brad. So, so Brad brought me to ARP. <laughs> um, and if you know Brad, you uh, wouldn't be surprised by that. So... Brad and I go back like 25 years now, um, which is kind of crazy, but Brad and my older brother were mission companions, and so I I knew Brad as as, uh, they came home from their missions, and uh, Brad had a big influence on even getting me on my mission, and so I've got a special place in my heart for Brad. So Brad calls me like a year and a half ago and says, hey, Matt, boy, do I have the calling for you. For those of you that know the church and the way the church works, Brad's not in my stake. He has no <laughs> jurisdiction over me whatsoever. <laughs> but he's dead serious, right? Oh, but he's dead serious. Yeah. He's yeah. like, you would be great at this, and this is, this is the greatest thing ever. And he proceeds to tell me about this ARP program, of which I know little to nothing about. Uh, I, I said, you know what I'm doing over my stake, and you didn't know. Didn't even know. And, I I, and I'd heard, you know, I was in the bishopric in my ward. Like, I, I'd heard of the program, but I didn't know anything about it. So he proceeds to tell me all about it and says I should come to his meeting and check it out. So I did. I remember uh, coming to his meeting and, you know, sure enough, right out of the gates, there's Jay as the facilitator sharing in that meeting. It just blows my mind. I was like, who is this guy? And then, and then uh, Jay's wife, Lexi, you know, shares and, and gives that perspective of being the spouse of an addict. And, uh, you know, just, I just, and Darren, you know, who is now the facilitator with me in my program, yeah, I just remember sitting there and having my mind blown and realizing, I remember I went home that night and I told my wife, well, I've been a member of the church my whole life. And for 42 years, I've totally had it wrong. Like, I have not understood the atonement at all. And tonight was the first time I think I finally started to get it. And uh, and it was just, I felt like I was sitting at the feet of prophets, you know, it was it just kind of hearing these people share their experiences. And what, what I realized was um, that, you know, my charmed little life, I hadn't really been tried uh, the way people in that room had, and and I hadn't been humbled, and I hadn't had to rely on the Lord the way people in that room were relying on the Lord uh, minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day. Anyway, so I remember thinking, man, this is, now I understand what Brad's talking about, that this is life-changing for him, and, and so Uh, So I told Brad I was I wanted it and I wanted in and we needed to figure out how to make it happen. And so collectively we we uh, we made it happen.
0: You know, in my in my state. Now have you been uh, serving out of your comfort zone as far as? One of the things I do is get out of my comfort zone and share the message of ARP yeah, yeah. wherever I can. Yeah, and I think you've done the same thing as yeah, well, right?
6: Absolutely. I've been I've been trying to grow up to be like Brad my whole life. So, oh,
0: come
6: on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. I was I taking notes, you know, and and uh, and so in my stake, like we just didn't know we had a need, right? I I didn't know much about it. Our stake presidency didn't know much about it, and so. Um, you know, they were like, hey, if you want to do it, here you go, do it, you know, and, and so part of that was talking to Brad about how to kind of get awareness out there. I, I kind of view my role as the group leader uh, in, as filling the seats. I got to put butts in the seats, and then once they're there, Darren, you know, is the facilitator and an addict in recovery, you know, he can really um, touch these people and help them understand how to get better, really, and I don't have that experience. I, I don't know what it's like to be an addict. And so, uh, and so, yeah, so part of that, Brad, was going out and, and really just, I figured if I'm in the bishopric, if our bishopric and our stake presidency don't really know what the ARP program is, then we can be sure that our the majority of the majority members, of the members don't. don't, right? And so sure enough, as we're going out and uh, talking about it in the different wards and kind of going on a road show, if you will, what blew me away is, and, and continues to blow me away, is Everybody you talk to about the program, my wife gets mad at me because she says I ARP over everything all the time. <laughs> I'm, arp. I'm, I'm always ARPing about stuff. Arping. That's good. <laughs> that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but the point is, it's because everybody you talk to about it is touched by addiction. Yeah. Totally. Right? Whether yeah. it's themselves, family, you know, any whatever. meeting, if they, if you
0: ask, every hand goes up because they've been Absolutely. touched by addiction.
6: And if you get one on, I was at a, my son's piano recital last night. And sure enough, somebody that knows I'm in the uh, you know run the program uh, brings it up, and we talked for an hour. And she went on and on about her niece and her brother who died, you know, literally from this, and a son who came home from a mission. And, and people just have so much to talk about, but they've never had the resource or the outlet that they've been aware of through the church. And so that's what I love about it is that if you get people's ear, they're in, they're interested, they want to come out, they want to get to know. You know more, and and really the inhibitor is really the stigma that goes along with it. And the more we talk about it, the more the stigma comes off. So that's why I'm evangelical. And that's where right.
0: both of you and I kind of get that is we proselyte are a lot a lot about or we art about it a lot. And your wife would say and yep. try to break that stigma to say it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to say your nep- nephew struggles with addiction yep. or your Nephew, or your your coworker, or you, or your yeah. husband, or your His husband, life, or your wife, like whatever it is, that's okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah, there's a solution, and it doesn't freak me out that you say that. And it's you know, people probably bringing up cautiously at first, and then it the, is the, an open yeah. door. Then, then, it's then open. they want to talk about it, and then they don't want to stop talking about. It, which is why my wife gets mad because then an hour later she's like, <laughs> yeah. seriously, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Finally, you're the one over talking at the party, exactly. like She's waiting in the car for you, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. So Darren, it's passed over you. You are Matt's facilitator. That's correct. And, uh, we could have, Matt and I could have meetings all day long as a group leader, but be very ineffective because we can, we can, we can proselyze, we can talk about it, but you, you as a facilitator and addict in recovery fulfill a special role of service in those meetings. How do you
3: see your role? You know, I, uh, it's step 12, you know, is, is service. It's the, the, Step 10 11 and 12 is the, the maintenance steps of the program. It's where we're daily accountable, where we're praying on, on how to improve our, ourselves and, and how to serve others. Uh, and being a, uh, an addict in recovery, I can share my experience, my, my hope, uh, My how my, much
0: time do you have sober?
3: It'll be two years and a week.
0: Okay, we're coming up on the two year anniversary.. Yeah, And you, that's awesome.. You. The you know, three years ago, could you have seen yourself? Or two, and a half, uh, hmm. two years ago in one day, could you have seen yourself in this role of of helping and being a resource and serving
3: other people? Oh my gosh, not in a million years. I was I was an absolute train wreck. You know when I walked in here uh, two years two years ago, um, my life was in pieces. I thought my my marriage was over. I I thought everything I had worked for in my entire life I, I threw in the trash for my disease. Uh, and this program—it it saved my life. The atonement of Jesus Christ is real, and it—and it, and it has—it's uh, it's been a miracle, you know, absolute miracle for me.
0: So, where are ways that um, becoming sober is one thing, but then also doing the maintenance step, and specifically step twelve, serving other people. What are some things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that? related to yeah so to it's like others.
3: first and foremost just uh, sponsoring others you know okay. helping others through the the 12 steps uh, because
0: go yeah. a little deeper on that because we still have church culture 12 steps are pretty new to the church culture you know even even in Utah where we have lots of 12 step meetings a lot of them report back to us they don't have spot like what is this sponsor thing you know it's very common in AA, NA, SA, all the A meetings but we don't we don't. A lot of not all of our meetings have it. Our our manuals talk about a trusted advisor, but don't use the word sponsor. But what do you do as a sponsor, or what do you recommend for someone if they are going to meetings but they don't have a sponsor? What what role does that sponsor play?
3: Yeah. So I guess uh, first and foremost, the twelve steps are are the, uh, the the same steps as as AA, right? It's the, the twelve steps, um, twelve steps, twelve traditions, AA, NA, SA. All those. That's what the ARP program is founded upon. Uh, and a sponsor is a person that is basically a mentor for the, the addict who is seeking help, uh, a person who is at their bottom, right, and, and they want to, to get out of their disease, out of their addiction, and they don't know how to do it. I, I certainly didn't know how to do it. Uh, and so I looked to someone who had gone before me, uh, who was successful working all, the, all 12 steps. Uh, you, you work them in order. And the first one was just getting honest. Uh, and getting honest about your disease and, and really all aspects of your life. Um, and then you, you go from there. You know, with the, the sponsor, there's in the ARP manual, there's, there's questions at the end of each step. You answer them. Uh, and then when, when you're ready for the next, you, you, you move on.
0: And that, that role of sponsor is it's, you get calls all the time, middle of the night, yeah, morning, middle of the day, work. You never know, you know, that unknown caller. And it's someone that, that may have heard about you, may have heard about the meeting, or was referred to you from somebody. And that, uh, that you know, once you put yourself out there to be a sponsor, it's a, it's an invaluable service. Um, you, you reach out to a sponsor, as you said, and you're doing the same thing now. So you've, have you gotten middle-of-the-night calls before?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and... Honestly, sponsoring people, it keeps me sober because one it, it helps me remember where I was at. Um, and and by, by serving others, you think less about yourself. And, and all addicts, we' we're pretty we're pretty self-centered and we're pretty selfish and we want to we want, we're self-seeking behavior. That's, that's uh, addiction in, in a nutshell.
0: You said that quite a bit, Jay,
3: like what gets you sober won't keep you sober
0: and when you're sponsoring others, that's been a critical point of your recovery.
1: Yes, indeed. I also think that um, with, the, with the 12th step, I was thinking when you were talking, it's like when you asked Darren, what, what does that entail? I think for if you're just listening and you're a member and you have nothing really, you don't know anything about recovery yet or this may be a new uh, thing, think about it like the Sons of Mosiah you've talked about it, or Alma the Younger. These guys were were members of the church, and at one point they were born into the covenant, or if you want to look at it that way. And they they did some wicked things, they did some crazy stuff that most people thought they were in, irredeemable from. And them themselves, he said he was racked, you know, with torment. But then once he got this, this spiritual awakening, like we talk about in the program, um, uh, immediately they went off trying to correct not not necessarily correct, but go and influence others to do the same thing. And that's what the 12th step is for addicts in recovery it's it's a call to 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 you know take what you've been given freely and then give it to other people and to not stop no matter what like in, in the more and in, the promise is like in the gospel if you do that if you lose yourself in my word right the, the savior says you will find yourself and and that's i that, that's why these steps are the gospel and so if you're listening like well this is i don't know if i should adopt this program i don't know if i really need it this is how you access, in my opinion, the actual the the gospel itself, and, and the 12-step. That's what it is 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 is, is going
0: out and, and preaching the word. Greg, you're a group leader up in Irvine. Yes, sir. Pretty new group leader. Yeah, a couple months. And not know it. <laughs> Wouldn't know it. Stud. And yeah, yeah. you're a unique yeah. group leader where you're an addict in recovery and a group leader. Group leader. We're all the best. No, no big's
5: the
0: best. Okay. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with
4: Xander on this one. <laughs> there it is. It's funny as as Matt was telling his story about he came how he came to his calling as group leader. I was thinking that that sounded a lot like mine, <laughs> where you know I owe it all to Brad too, even though he's not in my stake or my ward uh, is why I have the calling. But my introduction to the program's different. You know, I I came through the program uh, as an addict in recovery. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, started coming to these meetings with Jay, Jay and Brad and, uh, here in Laguna Niguel, and you know, it was sort of through their example of of service that you know, they I kind of caught their fire. Uh, I'm pretty shy by nature, and I don't like to, to to sort of put myself out there. I don't even really like to talk about my story, especially publicly. And I remember I completed the 12 steps uh, probably over a year, about a year and a half ago now. And I remember telling Jay or talking to Jay about it that I kind of felt this big, like, letdown, like, you know, I was done and I did this amazing thing. And it's like, now what? Now what do I do? And he immediately told me, you know, you need need to go sponsor people. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. And I remember the next meeting, I actually threw it out there in a meeting like, you know, hey, if anybody's interested, I, I just went through the 12 steps and, you know, I'd, I'd love to sponsor you. And it, it, someone like literally went up to me after that meeting and it that? started right. Yeah, it, was, it pretty much blew me away. And it sort of has been that, that same thing, you know, whether it's been through sponsoring people or now, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the calling as group leader and sort of pitching the program to our stake it's a new program to our stake, so we had to go through all of the wards in our stake and sort of introduce what the program was, what it was about, what the meetings were, you know, sort of the culture and the idea. And you know, Xander and I went, uh, you know, with our wives, and and we've had some other people help us out as well. Went around to each of the stake or wards in our stake, and you know, a lot, with with a lot of help from Matt and Brad and Jay, you know, helped us get these presentations and get the word out there. So you're saying
0: that at that point of accepting the calling, I guess self-described calling, or a challenge yeah. from Jay to be a sponsor, did that that fulfill that hole for you?
4: Absolutely, you know it. it took my recovery to another level. I, th- I I thought that I had sort of achieved like that pinnacle of my recovery going through the twelve steps, but service and and continuing to serve. You know, there's more to climb. There's more to gain in your recovery. Why, why
0: are you hesitant? That like, oh, I didn't want to sponsor someone. Why? You knew what a sponsor was. You had one. I had. I had you an
4: amazing sponsor. He changed my life, what? and I, and it wasn't that I didn't want to sponsor people. I didn't want to put myself out there. Um, and I still struggle with that, honestly. Like, it, is it just because you're
0: shy, or do
1: you feel like it, most it? members feel that way about service in general, like, or about like?
4: Um, well, it's their funny. I'm not opposed general. to service. I love. Getting my hands dirty and doing that kind of service, but the kind of service where like I have to be vulnerable, and that service I don't like very much. Although I mean I, I like it now because that's pretty much all I do now. But it's not that I'm opposed Natural. to service. It's not. It's uncomfortable so explain, for
1: me. So so explain how this one was more. On, you know, I I, bet, I think a lot of people feel the same way. That's what I'm getting. Oh yeah,
4: yeah yeah. I mean th- this was this was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Was go. I, I grew up in the Irvine Stake, which uh, is where your meeting is. Which is where our meeting is. And going before these people that are like my best friends or my best friend's parents or people that I've known my entire life and tell them that the person that you knew was living a lie, was living a facade. And sort of admit that in front of them was was absolutely terrifying to me. For
1: those of you who don't know, real quick, is when he talked about going to meeting, he had been going to meeting for over a year now, right? Like a year, two yeah. years, two years, and then um, got his two year chip. But it had been in neighboring stakes that right. had ARP, so All, they didn't yeah. have one in his stake. So what he's saying is, when he got called to 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 be the group leader in his stake with Xander um, as the facilitator. He had to then go back. So imagine, put yourself in that shoes. You have to go. It was easy, probably, to come and share it. You know, no one recognizes you in these buildings. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Now you're now you're breaking your anonymity, which is something that's actually pretty sacred in the program. But those of us have chosen not to. You know, we kind of yeah. share our story. And anyways, that's awesome. So yeah, I can see where you'd be that going back, but like, but
4: but you know if, if I could get past you know my own personal feelings about it, you know the results that we've had have been amazing. You know like like what you guys have talked I mean, how about. How many
1: weeks have you guys been in? Now? So
4: we've we've uh, we're on step ten, so we've so ten, 10 weeks, and really? and same sort of thing like you guys were saying earlier. People just come out of out of the blue and just say, hey, you know, like I had someone in the temple the other day. Say you know, stop me and say, "Hey, you know, I remembered when I didn't know who this person was, but she remembered me from these, from these presentations we did." And you know, I've had all kinds of people do the same thing. I know you too. Have, you have too, Xander.
0: Was your Greg? Was your fear how people are going to accept you? Like now they're going to not like me. Absolutely. Gonna...
4: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I, Jay, it, you
0: talk about that a lot too, right? That's why you didn't think you'd be able to serve in
4: the church and or uh, break
1: anonymity. Uh, mine was more so. I just felt like a failure. Like you know, what I mean, I felt like I had still had a lot of shame. I was holding on to a lot of shame. So, well, yeah, I mean,
4: I, I, was, I was afraid of letting all these people down and, and, and what they would think of me if they saw the real me or Did the it old happen? me. Did no, absolutely not. The, the exact opposite happened. You know, all the things I had in my head of what people were going to say or how they were going to react, none of that happened. It was, it was the opposite. I mean, you're, you're overwhelmed afterwards with, with the show of emotion and compassion and empathy. I mean, people are coming up to you sobbing just saying, I'm so glad we're talking about these things. I'm so glad you guys started this conversation because it needed to happen a long time ago. It needed, it's needed to happen for a while. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people that, you know, may be sitting there judging me, but I, I didn't hear that. I never saw that. I never experienced that in, in any of the presentations we did.
5: Just just to kind of add on to that, I think a a lot of members of the church, and this has kind of been, I think, a hot topic on social media this year, is talking about the culture of the church and that members of the church love the doctrine of the church, but, but a lot of times a lot of people have problems with the culture of the church. And people will leave over that. They'll leave because they feel like they don't fit in or, or you know, r- r- any of those things. And so I think a lot of times when we go in, I had fear. I know Greg had fear. I'm sure all of us did when we went to do those those third hour combined meetings, but this is, you want to talk about making changes to the culture of the church. Like I I literally can't think of a single thing that is doing more to change the culture of the church than talking about real struggles, real trials, things like addiction that every LDS family deals with on one level or another and get in and get real honest and talk about these things. And it's just refreshing. I think we get used to it because We come to one meeting a week or multiple meetings a week, and we're used to this open and honest conversation. And so we don't look at the culture maybe a lot of times as other people. Like, they're just used to hearing the same things every Sunday and putting on a a face and not really sure how to get open and real and honest. And so I think during those meetings, the the overwhelming response we're getting is people are just finally like, it's just time that we, we start facing these things head on as a, as a church?
0: Well, I commend you. I, I hope that didn't sound condescending, but, um, I, I watched all of, it's inspiring. Is what I saying. didn't see Xander walk in the me any first time you, you, you were found ARP before, but I, but I know you two brethren and it was all inspiring to see you come in at your low. And I, I saw the day one, like how much you didn't see it. But I know Heavenly Father saw it, and I saw a glimpse of like, man, you're going to help so many people in Michveo and Irvine where you yeah, are. Darren was one of our. Just so you know that,
1: Darren was one of our first. Of all, I was there in San Clemente when when um, Greg came, and then Darren was one of our first people in the one of our very first meetings or second meeting. I don't remember what it was, but this just shows you. That it's not like it's going to take, some people will hear this and they go, or they see your story and just because you have a lot of time from when you were first walking it, they think, oh, it's got to be this big, long process. And it can be, it, can, it doesn't matter. There's no exact like timeline. But the point is, is if you're ready to serve, if you're ready to get recovery and do what it takes, the Lord's ready to put you to work right away. And, and so, I mean, look at, in, in, in under a year time, one person came to a meeting broken, uh, thinking they're going to leave the church, everything's going to end finds hope, finds solution, and then within that same 12-month period of the first meeting is, and then two-year meeting is now uh, went back to their stake, just like Alan the Younger, ran off back into the wilderness and said, all right, I'm going to go try to correct some of the wrongs by, by being um, uh, living daily amends, as we call it, and serving. I think it's amazing.
0: It is. Yeah. Uh, Xander, i want to ask you, actually all of you, because I, I found this in the A- Alcoholics Anonymous introduction. Yeah. And I'm going to read it directly. And I think it's very applicable to our ARP 12-step culture in our church. Um, because when they first started, you know, in the early 1900s, 1930s, early 40s. Who are we talking about?
3: AA? A-A-A, okay.
0: So we of Alcoholics Anonymous were more are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And I'd say that's the same for our meetings, right?
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: For them, we hope these pages will prove to so convincing that no further authentic- authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand The Alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person, and we just replace alcoholic with addict, right? Or
5: whatever food or whatever your thing is. An
0: interesting fact is, Xander, you went to AA and used alcoholic even though you're an opiate addict.
5: Absolutely. My sponsor just told me whenever you read alcohol or whatever, you know, it is, just, just change it for OxyContin in your head or, you know, opiates or whatever, so... It doesn't matter, it's all the same is what I'm getting at.
0: Okay, so here is the 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 this hit me heavy when I read it. It is important that we remain anonymous. And here's the why. Because we are too few at the present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals which may result from this publication. It's crazy. There was the anonymous wasn't for any reason except we can't handle it. Gonna We're gonna get bombarded with people coming to us for help. And have each of you experienced that in your area?
3: Like, uh, I know Jay did here. I think I think the challenge as as a facilitator is like you're you're leading the meeting and these these people come in and they think that you're the only one that can help them, you know, <laughs> and so they always come up to the guy at the head of the table like, I needed to be my sponsor. It's like, gosh. There's a room full of people who finished the 12 but, steps. But to say on that, Darren,
1: like reality is, when the meeting starts, you were
3: like uh, when I when I when
1: we started this one in here, that was just the way it was. Xander yeah. was in the only other person. That, but he was in Hawaii, so he'd show up every now and then. Like you know, he's finishing BYU. I think he came to a couple when you were here in town. Some other people did, but for the most part, like yep. I was the only one showing up. Darren, you were the yeah. same way. You, you guys, you're the only one. I mean, there's a couple totally. people I noticed that you've had yeah. some some ladies show up and whatever. But the point is, like when it, when you start a new meeting in your stake, generally, like you guys talked about earlier, um, um, Brad and Matt, that it's new to the culture of that ward, mm-hmm. that stake. So it's like you really are. And I know for a fact, Darren, of all people. When 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 the Mishvio got their meeting started, you know, and they went around and did the ward tour, there was probably like thirty, just like Irvine, thirty something people showed up the first night and didn't stop, and uh, I mean, it was so much that at one point you were probably sponsoring eight, eight or nine guys, you know, or whatever it was at the time, and. Uh, I just remember it was just like holy crap, like to a point where you're like you got to come two to help, like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the, it was I was sponsored literally 15
3: people, 15 people. Yeah.
1: yeah, So talk about putting the service. You know, not only is there not a shame culture in this ARP program, it's the exact opposite. And uh, but then. You know, then you get multiple lines, right? Like then you start one person get like you were. Yeah, like, that's that's was a point. Like yeah. at first,
3: like you're you're sponsoring like fifteen people, and then and then it's like you're training a group of a little, uh, little of army, like a little army, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a little
1: outsourced sales team yeah. or, an, or army or whatever you want to call it. Because you were that for me. You and one other person finished the steps in our Laguna Niguel meeting mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. and and right away I told you just like I told Greg, just like anyone else. Guess what? It's going to come. And you probably may have thought I was crazy or not, just like I thought I was crazy when someone said to me, but then boom, it was like same like Greg well, next meeting. You know, and then you and both <laughs> both of you now are in in
0: in, in the in the um, starting, you know, starting the meeting, so anyways. Uh, you so I go out there and read 12 Steps introduction. It's just fascinating because they had just like written the steps. They yeah. got a group of people that have like gotten sober and you know if they read when they write this, they're like, "Hey, we're, uh, we're not an organization of the consent. We are not an organization the consent, conventional sense of the word. We're no fees, no dues whatsoever. You don't pay money. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking in this case. We are, uh, they were not allied with a certain faith or denomination. And so let's ask that. Is RARP uh, exclusive to members of the Mormon Church or Church of Christ Latter-day Saints?
1: Andrew, how do you, how you answer that one? Uh, well, I think we've talked about
5: this in our yeah. personal yeah. conversations a lot. No, so of I, course, I, I, I just, yeah. the The answer is is that the ARP program has done a very good job of taking the twelve steps of AA and 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 really adopting um, our Savior Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father. the The one blessing that we as members of the Church have is is our belief in in who we know exactly who our God is, who our higher power is, and um, Besides that, as far as the, the 12 steps, they're exactly the same. You don't have to be a member of the church to come. In fact, w- every meeting, there's usually a handful of people that, that aren't members of the church, and they really like to come and feel the spirit that is here at ARP. And and as was mentioned, I first my first meetings I ever went to for a long time uh, was AA, because that's where my sponsor got sober. And so for me, coming to ARP and having... Um, Christ put in the steps, like it, it was, it was awesome. I love the spirit. I love the spirit that I felt at AAA it was a great stepping block for me to be able to come back into fellowship of the church and regain a relationship with, with my heavenly father. Um, so with that being said, like if you're going to AA and you're not a member of our church, you know, we invite you come, come, come and see. And and not only that, but, but we need you. We, we need you there in a lot of these areas, there isn't a lot of people with time, in recovery. And so if you can come and, and you have any time or no time or whatever, you can come and add value and, and we need you. you. You can work your 12-step and come and, and, and help us. So, Matt, I, do that you, I proselytize
0: that a lot when I go out and speak is it, when I'm in a congregation. Um, there's got to be someone in here that went to one of the 12-step meetings, uh, you know, whether it's AA, OA, NA, any anonymous sobriety meeting mm-hmm. and we need you to come and support because your years or decades can really yeah. be of service to others because this is a service program. It is. It does you and I can't we'd be we're very I would almost say I'd feel useless. Yeah, yeah. Like I was thinking about that. Like as Darren and I go out to
6: these, you know, and try to promote the program, you know, at the end of the day I almost feel like I'm a salesman because I can speak to the program in the third person. I've seen it, seen it, I've read about it, I've been a part of it, but everything that I'm telling is really through the experience of others. And that's the difference between Darren and I. So that's why when I when I go out, I'm rah-rah and, and pom-poms, and then Darren says, yeah. and here's my story, and guess what? The spirit comes flying in and crushes people, and they start bawling, and they want to do something about it. And I can't do that. I don't have the same ability that Darren does to speak first person. And that's why I have no idea how anyone gets sober without a sponsor, And I don't know how any group runs without sponsors in the group. I don't don't see how it works unless somebody's holding your hand through this that can truly relate and appreciate and understand. I can only tell you what I think you're going through. And that's not the same thing as, hey, I've been there. Here's what you're feeling now. Here's what's going to happen next. Right? It's a totally different ballgame. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, back to the point on, you know, member of the church or not, I think our our meetings tend to be twenty five thirty percent non members, um, and and even as much as about half that are not active. You know these are people. You know to the earlier point with culture. You know the culture of the church. If you're struggling in, in church culture, oftentimes you distance yourself, like Xander said, and you, you bail or you peace out, and this is a a way to get back in um, to getting better that naturally leads you back down the path of activity, ultimately, at the end of the day. Once you've been in these meetings and the Spirit has worked you over and you've found that the Savior cares about you and he has a plan for you and you are finding relief from your disease, then oftentimes people end up coming back into the church. We've had baptisms. We've had endowments come from our ARP. We have had we have ARP temple nights. How rad is that? Right? <laughs> I mean, it's so cool. And these are, you know, again, these are some of the most broken people you'll ever meet until you get to know them and watch them work these steps and find the, the, the balm of Gilead, right, that only the Savior's atonement can provide. It's, it's unbelievable.
5: And real quick, just to add on to Matt's point about the culture, I just feel like I need to say this. Like, you know, if your solution, if you're struggling with the culture of the church and your solution is to distance yourself from the church, I, I get that. I understand. I think we've all been through that. But the only way that we're going to actually end this cycle is is for people like you to stay in the church and go through, like Matt said. So the end result of that is so that the next person doesn't have to feel like they have to leave the church because of the culture, because you're there to help them. The only way that we solve this culture problem is by us individually who have problems with it not leaving because of it. Yeah. So
1: I feel honestly 100% that what Xander just said and what you were just saying, Matt, is, is true. And I think that. first of all you uh, it takes in, and, and same with Greg even though he is an addict in recovery um, as well being the leader. Um, if you're listening to this and you're just um, uh, a f- we've had people reach out to us that are just family members of addicts and they're not at. If you feel prompted and inspired and and, and, um, and your state doesn't have a program like this, guess what We need Matt we need Aaron, you know we, we need uh, Brad. we need uh, those who aren't really Addicts in Recovery to, to work on the stake level, to, to get uh, the bishops involved, and, and to really... It's kind of a, like Brad said the other day to someone, the church is us. Right, like, right, like you got to get out. Have a
6: role, right? I, I may not be an addict, addict, in recovery, but I can play a role in this cause. A big, right? role. a Absolutely.
3: crucial a role, role. role is what I'm.
1: Right. What I'm trying to say is what you're saying is is it's crucial role yeah. because if me, if an addict in recovery just starts running around with the bishop and stake president saying, hey, look at, look at, like I got sober and it's big, everyone would be like, oh, that's great, but you probably look at me like I'm like, okay, that's that's you're okay. a little, kooky, then, a little pal. kooky there, there, <laughs> 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 Right, we all have, have been them been in our wards, it, right? Now it, it's like it now you can have a. Uh, someone who's not an addict in recovery a normie you know, a normie like we call it <laughs> and, and go to them on a level of hey look at just so you know there's this little meeting thing that's going down in this one stake you know if that's the only one that's going on like ours was in sacramento this thing is if this can could change yeah. this thing can like brad said the other day to someone this thing is going to solve you know it, it can solve if people work it Almost every challenge you have in the family, right? If we know the attack, if the church says the attack is on the family, guess what's, what the antidote is? Guess what the, 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 the solving solution is to that is It's this program. This program saved not only my life, but it saved my marriage. And uh, what Xander was saying, um, too, is if you leave the church, you take all your experiences, all those miracles that you have in your life, um, all those solutions, all those experiences, you take them with you. And therefore the church is none the better. Like Brad said, we are the church and if you and this if you want a place to, to be involved to to help not change policies, not change doctrine, but change um, a culture of more honesty, making it more honest and more pure. You need to find your local meeting and you need to go to it. And if you don't have one, and you're an addict in recovery, or you're not, and you feel inspired, you know, listen to these podcasts like this. And and, and there we have certain podcasts where we talk about what the steps are. And you can always write us and talk, um, ask questions. Yeah, and the, and the churches, churches for the sinners, right? It's I mean, flawless. ultimately, yeah.
0: and so President Uthar said, "This is not an automobile showroom. Yeah, no this country is, club. This is not a country club. This is a repair facility.
6: Yeah." And you forget about that because on Sunday everybody puts on their best dress, right? And they look all, like they got it all put together. When ultimately we don't, right? We're we're all doing our best, but but you know I had something really cool happen a week or two ago, and Darren Darren was there, in our Sunday school meeting. Um, our Sunday school teacher was fantastic, and he was he was talking about how in the church culture and in in the church we teach to the ideal, mm-hmm. and we should we should talk about how good it can be, right? Across every principle of the gospel. We want to talk about the ideal. The reality is, though, that very few of us are achieving the ideal. And we don't talk about that very much. And so then, if you're not achieving the ideal, you feel like you're out of place, you don't fit in, you don't belong. And so here's what was super cool about what this guy did. He was talking about the temple and temple covenants and being sealed as a family. And then he said, I want to bring in my wife. And not everybody knows this, but I am not my wife's first husband. And I want her to talk about what life was like co- growing up through the church, getting married in the temple, and then having her marriage fall apart. And what it was like to be a single mom of kids, and what did the temple mean to you then? And and he, this, this great sister stood up and talked for 20 minutes in full authenticity about how hard it was to be a member of the church and to hear that she needed to go to the temple when she associated the temple with Families. being sealed with your family, which her Hers family was broken, broken apart, right? Yeah. And how she didn't fit in, and it was... I texted Darren Darren who was sitting right behind me, I said, Hey, it's getting all ARP up in here. You know, <laughs> she's our <laughs> she's she ah, ah. and so I get super pumped about how the culture is changing. We talked about the curriculum and then the teaching approaches next year that the church is changing with third hour with Priesthood and release society and round table and sitting and discussing, you know, and all these things. I just think this is what I hope is the new society of the church. And to your point, Xander and Jay. What a shame it would be if the people who have not lived the ideals excused themselves from the conversation, right? Man, we need everybody in that conversation. You know, we're all in varying degrees of the ideal, right? And so I love that that this good sister was willing to stand up and tell how hard it was and how life sucked for a while for her. And I could not get to her fast enough after the meeting to thank her for being willing to be authentic. It was a full-on you know, very real and genuine ARP moment on a in a second hour in church.
0: Well we as like I always say we're the church. We're we're the culture. So we change the culture to not the church organization not the yeah. the, the 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 brethren don't say, hey, we're all LDS Living magazine covers. Mm-hmm. We as a people made this facade. Yep.
6: Yep.
0: And so we the people can actually can change be it. changed to real. Um yeah. and I think sometimes we Oh, the church doing the, like, pointing to, like, the Quorum of the Twelve are like, all right, we need to make ourselves look perfect, and our Instagram's all I got to be perfect, and, you know, everybody has to wear pressed white this, and you got to have matching dresses for all your girls on Sundays, like... Dress like a wait, banker. wait, you don't have to do that? Greg's in there. Didn't get that in Yeah, but, like... We think that's what the church teaches. The church doesn't teach that. I say that anymore. Well, for sure, the, Brad.
1: And one thing too, like we were saying that, I think of uh, AA's slogan is, or one of the slogan, you know, one of the many sayings that we get from AA or the Big Book is progress, not perfection.
5: I thought you came up with that.
1: <laughs> I, I, well, that, that one. I, I have that did. written down in my book, <laughs> quoting Jay. <Jade. laughs> hey, just because I'm good at regurgitating, I never take credit for inventing it.
5: But I am pretty good
1: at memorizing <laughs> oh, things. Oh, you
5: teed me up for that.
1: One, <laughs> yeah, dude. I did. I knew that was coming. But listen, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. I think that's what the gospel itself, I mean, if you look, the 1st I'm a convert, like I've, we've shared before. When you, when I read the Book of Mormon first, the first time I was on my mission, I finished it in my first area, so I didn't even finish it before I went on my mission. I just had the testimony that was true um, for my prayer. But um, when I finished it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. That whole book is about the progress, not the perfection. Yeah. It's talking about in glimpses what the perfection is or what the goal is, right? Ideal, which is yeah. the ideal, like Matt was talking about. But it's a story of it's the struggle. Per- of the struggle, People which is the progression. The going up, going down, going up, going down, going up, going down. And if you try to live your life in this perfect way, you I promise you you're not gonna serve fully. I promise you your heart will not be opened enough to be humble enough to to when you're at the bottom of the bottom to sometimes drain your account to help someone else. But then guess what happens? You do that for a few weeks, you do that for a few months, you participate this year in Light the World, and and guess what happens? Before you know it, all the things that you need, not want, get fulfilled, and then you realize what you want is not what you need. And that's the power of this program, is the progress that happens Gisander said this before, and a lot of others have said it too, is that if we got everything that we wanted for our lives before we got this program, we would have shortchanged ourselves for what God had in store for us. And so, you know, this year when Light the World comes about and, and when, this, when this gets publicated, uh, you know, find ways in your day in to, to be in, pro- in that progress. Don't so fixate on the progression or the perfection. Just be in the moment and find ways to serve. And I promise you, wherever you're at, it'll pull you out of it
0: boom bringing it home jay gentlemen what uh, you got a worldwide audience here we have some people from the middle east
4: listening yeah
0: um, by the way afghanistan kind of kind of blew my mind Greg the last couple weeks Sparcy. What's that?
4: Do you, do you speak Spanish? You, you do? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I speak Spanish. Oh well, yeah. I reached out I used like,
0: to a bunch of, well, anyways, I tried to find a first speaker uh, a couple months ago.
5: Didn't that end in like, baptism? He
0: did. Oh, yeah. That was amazing, yes. by the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yes. Did I not already? Oh, maybe you did. Uh, well, I would say it's through, I'll say it's through, through service through, through ARP, but because uh, one of my coworkers who is from Iran uh, worked for me for a couple years, and he and I had talked, you know, pretty high level about growing up in Iran and not having religious freedom or political freedom, like just ability to talk. And when I'd say, so if you converted to Christianity, what would happen? He's like, you would die or go to jail, just matter of fact. And that just kind of blew my mind. I'm like, really, that's not in the movies? They really do that? And he's like, yeah, he's like, but I'm not really religious, so it doesn't matter. So that's what I would always say. Well, at the end of summer, he came to me and said, my mom uh, is living with me, and she's reading the Bible, and she wants to learn about Christianity, and so I gave, uh, I said, well, I'd love to teach you about Christianity, and and I didn't, you know, my first thought was, "I oh, great, I got a church you can go to, but I stepped back, and like, no, I want to serve her, her sincere desire is to learn about Christianity, so I met, and I did a whiteboard discussion, and I And I had this chart that showed the Protestant Reformation, you know, break off from the Catholic Church and where Martin Luther and John Calvin and and all the churches. And she's like, that's why all these churches are in America. She couldn't understand why there's all these churches. She's like, she thought it was just Christian church. And then it started to make sense. Um, And then, you know, fast forward, the guy who works for me, is like a genius mathematician uh, engineer. So he's like, what church you go to? I said, well, you ready for my opinion now, my beliefs? Now, I want to make sure you understand the lay of the land, and then I'll tell you what I believe. And so I shared the Joseph Smith story and how he had a lot of the same questions about which church to go to and, and about his first vision and about the Book of Mormon that came forth. And I handed him a, a, a Persian copy of the Book of Mormon. And he's so logical. He's like, okay, well, if this book's true, then that Joseph Smith guy would be a prophet. And then that would mean your church is the right church to go to. And he's like, right? I'm like, yeah. And then he spoke to his mom in Farsi. And then he's like, okay, well, we'll go to your church first. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I was like, oh, crap. I'm like, emailing everyone I know. They live up in Irvine. I emailed Irvine. I'm like, hey, where's I need some Persian speakers? Like, she doesn't speak English. And I got nowhere. So I reached out to the ARP leaders in Newport Beach. And I'm like, hey, I think they live by you over by the temple in Newport. Um, by UCI over there, and they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so and so-and-so in our ward. In fact, so-and-so just got baptized. They're from Iran, too. Here's wow. their number.
6: Nice.
0: I'm like, oh, all right. So he was going to come to my ch- ward, my ward. I'm like, well, you can go to my ward, or there's a ward right by you, and here's someone that actually speaks Farsi that might be able to speak to your mom. I'm like, all right. Three weeks later, they got baptized.
4: That's so That's cool.
0: Awesome. Um, so
1: really, I, I do
0: credit ARP to that because...
1: Um, you, you've now conditioned yourself. Oh. You, you've done like what we've done. as like you condition. you. I mean, you're already a, a guy that's going to share the gospel, but I think it's like, it's just who you are now. Like, it's one of those things when people ask, like, oh, you, you know, people pat you on the back. You're like, dude, it's just, I just look
0: at it as like, it's just a normal part of my dude, day. I lead I the church introductions with ARP yeah. because A-R-P. there's <laughs> so many people yeah. with addictions. I, I lead yeah, with it. it should, I'm like, it's, oh. It's so
6: disarming. Right? Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> yeah. I go, I, I deal with other pastors with my professional life, right? Yeah. And they're, some of them are pretty hostile towards the church. I'm like, All right, what, good... what, what, what do you do for the, for the de- addicts in your, in your congregation? I'll tell you what
3: we do. Maybe you guys can learn from what we do. Here's our book. Do you have a book like this? Do you do AA? <laughs> It makes it so easy to share the gospel. Oh like I'm not comfortable handing a Book of Mormon out, but I can talk about the 12 steps. You know, nope, uh-huh. no, no Which problem. Which is, well, yeah. like I was saying, it exactly.
1: is. It does this. You will have Book of Mormon scriptures yeah. in here. Like yeah. I've had Jewish friends come, and and I even asked the one friend who was coming every week. I said, "Do you want me to take you?" Even after a couple of weeks, I'm like, "So I know you've been coming, maybe just for me, but if you feel more comfortable, because obviously we talk about Christ a lot, and I'm like, if you feel more comfortable, we can go to like a secular AA meeting." He goes, no, I love it. He's like, I love. I think. I mean, one thing he was just like, and by the way, you may, you know, normally he, he loved hearing Matt shares at the very end of the Wednesday night meeting. Said, I love Matt shares too. Everyone oh, does. Everyone God. does. Mm-hmm. In fact, he said oh, to me one time, I come to hear his final share um, to cap the meeting off. That's how highly uh, he looked up to you guys. Um, but the, the point is, is this, this, once again, this program's for everyone. It's for, that's the church is for everyone. And uh, I think we can end it with uh, maybe going around the room and uh, asking um, you guys well, one thing you want to share that you maybe feel like we didn't cover, and, and uh, like Brad said, this is a worldwide audience, so um, start with uh, Matt, and then we'll
6: go around. Oh, man, I thought I was going to have a minute to come up with something. Oh. Um, yeah, so when I, when I think about what this thing's done to me, you know, I'm not an addict in recovery, but this, this, li- this program has changed my life, like Brad said it would a year and a half ago. Um, but one big way is that i um, i am not nearly as quick to judge as i used to be and i always thought i was a pretty uh, you know level-headed individual You're not a That's why i'm not a, a judgmental like, guy dude, matt,
0: right matt can sit next to a person that smells like cigarettes and be drinking a starbucks underneath the, the, the podium like underneath yeah, yeah. the thing and
6: now does like, what's my up people brother?
0: Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't. Those are about people So
6: I thought I was that way too And the more I've been a part of the program And the more I've sat in the room With people who I wouldn't normally have Picked to be my best friends right, who are now my best friends, who are, are now my family, right? <laughs> Xander, I'm just saying.
4: <laughs>
6: From, on, on the surface? <laughs> but once you get inside uh, the surface, man, Xander, you got a heart of gold, right? So <laughs> the mustache is a little creepy sometimes. Uh,
5: <laughs> <yes>. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it is. I told my wife that... So I. A quick plug. I have a, a product <laughs> called the Frosty Funnel. You yeah, get it at, at it at at the use. at the But I told my wife. I'm not shaving my mustache until I sell every unit. So if you want the mustache gone, right so if She's you want the, the mustache gone, I'll, I'll take a hundred. Go to frostyfunnel.com <laughs> <laughs> and purchase a frosty I'll funnel. I'll take a
1: hundred. Matt's gonna take the
6: last order. Oh, so yeah, so, but for real, like I thought I wasn't a judgmental guy, but I realized a, I didn't understand addiction at all. Uh, you know, and, and like so many others, especially I think in our culture in the church. You know, I think I was guilty of just assuming that addicts were just people who weren't trying hard. Yep. You know, didn't know, didn't want to make good decisions.
0: You know. Sure. So as the normie, there, you have uh, someone calls you and says, "My so and so, my loved one, I is addicted to." whatever, yep. what's your what's your first 10 words to him?
6: Yeah, I get no shock anymore, right? Like, I've heard it all, you know, and it helps that Darren's my wingman. Darren <laughs> makes a great facilitator because anything Cause that I anyone's ever done,
5: <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that ain't nothing. <laughs> you better sit down for what I'm yeah, about to yeah, tell you. Totally. <laughs>
6: so, yeah, so what happens is this, and we talked about this, well, the second people are authentic, like I realized in that first meeting as I sat there and listened to Jay, you know, that story should have blown my mind, and instead my only reaction is that I felt immediate love for Jay. Right? I, and that's what happens. That the biggest fear and the stigma is that you don't want anyone to know your story, and the second people know your story, they don't judge you, actually. They immediately love you and support you and want to help you and do anything they can.
0: Or they're a complete jerk.
6: Or they're fine. <laughs> they're a tool, right? Yeah. But, but those people aren't in these meetings. No, yeah, right? that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so and I believe, by the way, those people aren't common in the church either you know the Not church is full of good-hearted people who just don't understand totally. right and that's what this program has helped me to do is to better understand that you can't judge a book by its cover so even shift. when i thought i wasn't i was doing it right yeah
1: that's great okay uh darren
6: final um, words from
3: my darren. Own words for you darren. know i think it it up just, on that a- just a- i guess to to piggyback on on matt's comment i think it's it's critical for us to be transparent um, what i have found uh, you know, as as a, the facilitator of the group, I was also uh, called to be an elders quorum instructor. I was the second Sunday guy. And so I, I've been doing that uh, in parallel for, for about... While well, doing um, the steps, too. Like, I remember yeah. that. I remember yeah. that. Um, in fact, it was it was a big concern um, because I didn't feel like I had the spirit. And to teach, you need the spirit, right? And so I was talking to the bishop about it. And he's like, no, you're you going to do this. And so I taught, and, um, and it was some of the more spiritual lessons I've ever given, and when I was released a couple of months ago, you know, I, I bore my testimony, and like half the quorum got up and bore their testimony about how awesome it was to have somebody to be authentic and transparent, um, because it brought reality in, into the church building, and it made the quorum more comfortable talking about their issues. Uh, and I think we need to put our guards down because we, we are not really judgment uh, judgmental people. You know, we, uh, we walk around like we're, everything's perfect and, and roses, but, uh, but it's really not. And everybody gets that, you know. And I think the more we talk about reality, uh, the more we'll be able to, to put, our, put the barriers down and, and, and spread, spread the good word.
4: Great. Thanks. Greg. <clears throat> yeah, let's see if I can uh, get through this without crying. Greg's a crier. Greg's a crier. I'm not sure if we established that on a previous podcast or not. You know... You had a different name. Yeah, I did. I was John, and I've been Greg and John, but I'm Greg.
0: Ooh, Brick and Ann and Minnie on the podcast. Go back and um, find John.
4: That's Greg. Yeah, that's me. You know, I, uh, I'm i uh, I'm passionate about recovery. See? I'm already crying. Um, Because I've seen what it's done for my life and it showed me something that i didn't think was possible one that i could stop my addiction but that i could also like become a better person and fix all the other things that were at the root of my addiction i didn't think that that was actually possible i didn't think that there was something out there that could could fix what was wrong with me but i was wrong because the the, these 12 steps this arp program is that solution it provides that way that you can overcome that you can stop acting out in your addiction and you can improve yourself you can become a better person and you can actually grow closer to your heavenly father and your savior which again i didn't think was possible so i'm passionate about recovery which is why i put myself through what i did to sort of pitch this program to our stake and I want everybody else to to feel that same thing that I feel. I, I know there are people in my stake listening to this podcast that are silently suffering with something, maybe many things. And this is the answer. This is the solution. All right, I'm done crying. <laughs> that was
2: good.
5: I've never. I can't follow that. (coughs) That's why Greg's my companion, and he ends the meetings. I start them, so I start them off rough, and he ends them nice. But uh, no, my my final thoughts would be just to kind of regurgitate what I already said. Is I feel like it's literally every week I'm having a conversation with somebody who's either left the church or, or is having issues with the church, and, and it generally comes down to culture and they complain about the culture. So my final thought would be the next time somebody says that they hate the culture of the church, I want you to respond with, well, what are you doing to change it? Because like was mentioned by Brad and everybody else tonight, is that we're all the Lord has. There's not uh, an, a, another fold. uh coming next week that's gonna come and just change we're not merging with the Catholic Church and, and getting their culture, you know, whether we'd want it or not, it's another conversation. But the bottom line is that is that we're all that we have. And um, and we, we I think I think we're making some great headway, but next time somebody brings up the culture just say, Hey, you know, what are you doing to change the culture of the church? So
2: okay.
0: well, each of you are doing amazing things. I mean you live I'd say we all live our lives in service and I think we credit the 12 steps for that, um, especially step 12, which is about service. When you read that, there's so many nuggets in there and so hopefully beyond the the Like the World campaign, we continue to do it and we inspire others to continue to do that. It's a kickstart for it's you. It's a kickstart. It was
1: a kickstart for me yeah. last year. Like literally, I don't know what was going to pull me out of that funk. I had been praying for weeks to get over the thing I was trying to get over and that literally kickstarted all of 2017, and I'm
0: ending it in a pretty good mind state. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Is addiction is very common around the holidays. That's that's where a lot of addictions pop out and come to light because it's a stressful time. It's like supposed to be the happiest time, and unless
5: you know, you're suffering, you unless you're suffering, suffering and then the holidays. Yeah. Oh, okay. the holidays for people who are in addiction are literally the worst time of the year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even people, to be honest even people in recovery. Like when you talk, AA holds all their meetings on Christmas and Thanksgiving. On those holidays. Yeah, because a lot of times you're getting together with your family members. And even though you're you're sober in those times, you kind of wish you weren't, you know, because (laughs) it's it's tough. Yeah, exactly. But uh,
0: I think the church is real inspired with this season of service during this time because it gets us out of our own brain, gets us out of our own funk, gets us out of our own Whatever we're into, and and serve other people, and we when we do that, we're in the service of God, and we're blessed in return. But it it it's just a beautiful thing that happens. Yeah, nothing feels better. So hey, thank you guys. Thanks uh, for having us. Merry guys. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Ha- thank you. And happy New Year. Whatever time of year you're listening to this, I hope you make service a major part of your life. Signing out. This is Brad. I'm Jaminak. That's not like a frog. That's. It's your are trying over time.
1: I'm Jay. I'm an addict. Thanks for tuning
0: in. That was a good radio (laughs) voice. (laughs) All right. Until next time, the next step.